0: Good evening, everyone. Well, I have to start a little different tonight. Uh, For those who don't know me, I'm Jordan. And I am an aspiring comedian. And I've been told that I need to immerse some of you, some people who know my comedy. Some people, I've been asked to tell a few jokes at the beginning, so I got a few jokes. Uh, The first one... What do you call a dinosaur that crashes its car? What? A Tyrannosaurus Rex! (laughs) Get it? Rex, because it's a W in front. You know, Rex. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Man, it's really hot up here. (laughs) Okay, no, but for real, a real quality joke. Have you ever realized? That a dog is perpetually in the push-up position? Come on. (laughs) I love that one because people either love it or they just have just, just hatred. Like, don't ever tell a joke again. Back away. Well, so we are in the fourth week of our Jesus series. And yes, it has been so much fun. Sean killed it last week. Love hearing Sean speak. It was so good. He talked about the teachings of Jesus and how Jesus is the greatest teacher the world has ever seen. And he is his favorite teacher. he talked about Charles mirrored the same thing that he said, which it's great when we repeat. Hunger and humility have to mark your interest. And the te- when it comes to the teachings of Jesus. The motive that you come with, as Charles said, it changes everything. And so, this week, it's really cool, we get to actually start off talking about, not one of, but some would say Jesus' most important teaching, the teaching that he gave the most attention to. In fact, This was the thing that he started teaching about as soon as he started teaching. It was the first thing that he taught about. When he actually started teaching people, this is the first thing. We're going to talk about the king and the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God often. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to have a couple of friends come up and read. First, I'm going to have Deja. We have a lot of scripture tonight. And so she is, oh, you can, that means you can come up. But, yeah, they're going to come and read for me. They're going to read out of, uh, you'll see it up here, but it'll be Mark chapter 1. And, yeah. All right. Um, if you guys want to stand with me, we're just going to go through the scriptures. Um, so, Mark chapter 1, 14 to 15 says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And then the next one is Matthew 6:33, which says, "But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well." Hi guys, I'm reading the next set of verses, and this will be Acts 28, 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Thank you, too. These are two of my friends. They they went with me on a mission trip to Atlanta. Yes, there's some other AT aliens. And we went on a mission trip to Atlanta, and we, yeah, this idea of the kingdom of God really spoke to us on that trip. And so it was a while back that Deja actually asked me, you got to talk about this at Kaiapa," And I was like, that is a great idea. And so now we're here, and we are talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. This is the first thing that Jesus chose to teach about. This is the first thing, and Paul a man who had just basically broken out of prison. He didn't break out, but he did just get out of prison. And don't let that, you know, it doesn't throw any shade on him because he wrote a whole bunch of stuff, and the stuff that he wrote ended up in the Bible. So he had to be doing something right, even though he was in prison for a lot of his life for the gospel. But at the very end of his life, at the very end, teachers, speakers, when you're at the end of your life, you don't talk about everything. You only talk about the stuff that really matters because you don't have that much time left. And the, very, the last two verses of Acts, the book of Acts, which is the very end of his life, 40 years after Jesus died on the cross, he's writing or it's saying that what he taught about was the kingdom of God. It was the last thing that Paul is teaching about, and it's the first thing that Jesus is te- teaching about. It probably means it's a big deal for us. I'll pray, and we'll jump right in. Father God, help us to see this. We don't live in a kingdom. We don't see this from our context. We need you, Holy Spirit, to reveal this to us. And Lord, speak through me so that we may see what this is and why it's important, and most of all, how amazing you are through it all. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I just said in the prayer, this is hard for us to understand because we don't know what it's like to live in a kingdom. Anybody grow up in a kingdom? Anyone? Anyone from England, maybe? We had a girl from England last year. Rest in peace. Oh, sorry. She did not die. She just moved back. We, we miss her. She's great. But yes, Millie was from England. But that's actually not the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. Not that kind of kingdom. It's hard for, understand, for, for us to understand this context of a kingdom. I don't know anybody who grew up in the Magic Kingdom, 2121 Magic Kingdom. Anyone? Okay. <laughs> Called out by your boy. Dang. Nobody else heard that, anyways. No one grew up in the Magic Kingdom, so you're not familiar with the kingdom that way. No one grew up in a castle, maybe in that castle that's in Kentucky. Does anybody, do y'all know that there's like a castle that the Queen of England used to like own in Kentucky? It's all right. Cool. It's there if you ever want to go and visit. So nobody grew up in a castle. Nobody grew up in a kingdom. Nobody's from England. So you don't understand what it's like to be in a kingdom. You have no context, but yet Jesus is talking about this idea of a kingdom. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a country, state, or territory ruled by a king or queen or a head. Which is the king? And that which is the king is like, it sounds like it's redundant, but it's not. What it's saying is that the king isn't just there as a title, but the king actually makes decisions and tells people how to live their lives. That's why people aren't familiar with this idea of a king or a kingdom here today. Because we actually only have two countries in all the world who have the Bible context of kingdom as their own government. Even the queen of England, she doesn't have any power. Her family, they're like celebrities, you know. They're a big deal. They got a sick palace But they don't make decisions that people listen to. The government does that for them. The parliament in England. A king or a kingdom that Jesus is talking about, only the country of Jordan and Saudi Arabia today have those kinds of kingdoms. A kingdom where there is a king and this king tells people how, or a queen, that tells people how to live their lives. What they can and cannot do. And so as we're trying to wrap our minds around this idea of a kingdom, it helps when you break it down to two, break it down in half, in two words. King and dumb. King and dumb. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Now, in America, is our president like a king? Oh, okay. All right. Y'all are right. Yes, our king. Our president is not like a king because the president, for the president, the power is in the office. But for a king, the power is in a man or a woman. We elect our president. If the president sucks, then we say, see you later. And then we elect another president. When Obama leaves office, Obama doesn't have any more power When Trump leaves office, he doesn't have any more power. When Bush leaves office, he doesn't have any more power. But a king, as long as that king is alive, they have power. It's totally different. Totally different. And you can't, if you don't like a king, you can't tell a king to hit the road. No, they're always the king. So when you think think about this idea of like the Oval Office and our president and that context doesn't help us. And you think about this idea of a king where someone is born into the throne and they can't be removed. That's what Jesus is referring to when he talks about this idea of the kingdom of God. Or if you've ever read it in your Bible, it says the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, which don't let that confuse you. Basically, different people, as Charles already said, the Bible is full of a lot of different books. And in these books, they were writing to certain people. Matthew is written to Jews. And Jews didn't like the idea of saying God because they don't want to say God's name. So he says kingdom of heaven instead to help them to understand. There's no difference between kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. They both mean the same thing. That's just a little nugget to help you to understand a little bit. So we have this idea of a king. Who is the king? The Bible says that Jesus is the king. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For unto us a child is born. A son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. The government will be on his shoulders. This is written 600 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. But yet this prophecy was exactly true. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It also says in Revelations 19.16... In regards to Jesus, it says that on his robe and on his thigh, his name is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So not only just a king, but the Bible says that he is the king, the king of all kings. It also says, and we said this in the first week, that Jesus Jesus was with God at the beginning. He is the heir to the throne. He is the son of the creator God, the God who spoke the world into existence. That's who Jesus is. It says, in the beginning, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, that's a combination, actually. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then later on it says, In the beginning the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Son of God, who was there at the beginning, came and made his dwelling amongst us. The Bible says that he is the king. It says that he is the Son of God. It says he is the Son of the Creator God. And it says that he is the right king of this world. That's what it says about him. But what is that whole dumb part? That's the king, but what about the dumb? The dumb is his domain, his dominion, his customs, his ways, his place, his people. Now when you think about all this, and you're like, all right, this is like cool, but man, look, Jordan, I'll be honest, I'm in class, I'm thinking about tests, tests and everything. What does this have to do with anything? Like, what does the kingdom of God have to do with my life today? Why does this matter for us? It matters for us because Jesus says that this is like, this is the first thing that we should seek. This is the thing that we should seek over all the other things that we're worried about. We're worried about our future jobs that we're trying to get. We're worried about graduating. We're worried about staying in school. We're we're worried about paying for school because financial aid is a pain in the butt. Yes, I see some head nods. I know. I know. These are the things that we're worried about. But Jesus says, seek first the king and the kingdom. Seek that first and everything else will be taken care of for you. What What is the kingdom that Jesus talked about? What is it composed of? First, first, he says that this kingdom, he says in Romans chapter four, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, when he's talking to the governor of his own country, this governor asks him, he says, Jesus, are you a king? He says this in John 18. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to to prevent my arrest and the Jewish leaders. But now the kingdom is from another place. It's a spiritual kingdom is what he's saying. That means that he is saying that more important than the physical is the spiritual. And don't sleep on that because some of you are like, ah, hold on, Jordan. How can you say that the spiritual is more important than the physical? The physical I can see, but the spiritual I can take it or leave it. But was it not God who is spirit, who spoke the physical into existence? The physical is always subservient to the spiritual. His kingdom is the greatest kingdom. He is king of kings, and he is Lord of lords. But his kingdom is not, also, not only spiritual, it is also everlasting. And Daniel, in Daniel it says, if I find it. I can't find it. But in Daniel chapter 11, if I'm not mistaken, it says that his, this kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. It will last forever. And I was thinking about this the other day. I was walking around in New York. I was with on a, on a trip with Katie in New York, and it was awesome. But one thing that I was thinking about was the fact that, you know what? These buildings look awesome. But Rome, we go and look at memories of Rome. We go and look at ruins of Rome. Ancient Greece, we look at the memories of Greece. New York will pass away. This world will pass away. This church will pass away. Your classes will pass away. But His kingdom will go on forever. Also, what does He say? He says that His kingdom is a present and a future reality. Jesus said, the first thing we read, hey, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's here. That means when it says at hand, it means like I can reach out and I can just grab it. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. But he also says that the kingdom of God is a future kingdom. It's a kingdom for today. It's an inner kingdom for your life today. But tomorrow, Revelations tells us that this kingdom will not just be a spiritual kingdom, but it will take over the physical as well. And all the nations of the world will be affected by this kingdom. And the most visible kingdom, the greatest kingdom, will be this kingdom. But he also says, he also says that this kingdom, that Jesus is the king and he's also the kingdom. He's the king and the kingdom. He's the subjects and the king at the same time. Some of you are like, "Eh, that means nothing, man. What that means, what we said at the very first week that Jesus was the Son of Man, he is the embodiment of what we should look like. The ideal person, you at your best, is looking like Jesus. That's, that was what you were created to do. Jesus came to be the embodiment of what the subjects of the kingdom should look like. But he is also the king of the kingdom. Okay, okay, okay. So we've, like, made it through that. We've made it through. This is, like, that's kind of, like, the toughest part of this because it's super academic, and it's super, like, oh, okay, trying to wrap my mind around something that doesn't really make sense to my life today, and, you're like, all right, Jordan, that's, that's kind of cool, but what am I supposed to do with that? Am, am I supposed to, like, I don't know, am I supposed to, like, dress up and, and LARP or something? Is, is, that, is that how you respond to this? Like, so there's a kingdom, and I'm supposed to, you know, live-action role-playing? Some of y'all know what that is? Am I supposed to, am I supposed to ride on the campus with a, uh, on a horse with a sword? In a suit of armor? Am I supposed to do that? I think I, there we go. We have a picture of LARPing. There we go, LARPing. And anyone who's a fan of LARPing, I'm sorry if you're disrespected by this or you feel, like, offended. You could talk to me afterwards, and I will have many apologies. But live-action role-playing, like, do you think that's what it is? Is that what the kingdom of God is? I love the guy in the trench coat. I picked this picture only because this one guy said, nah, nah, you guys can do that. I'll I'll go with y'all, but I'm not dressing up that dude trench coat matrix let's go I love that picture but yeah is that what the kingdom of God is Is it like is it game of thrones you just start riding a dragon everywhere is that what the kingdom of God is is it you just run around and start saying yes sire no sire my liege please my lord never would I betray you do you go around running around talking like that is that what the kingdom of God is someone said, yes, I'll be honest. If that, if that part was a part of the kingdom of God, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be against that. I wouldn't. Like, I'm just, no, your grace. No, never. I would never do that to you. I would never betray you. But no, that's not the kingdom of God. That is not. That is not. No, the kingdom of God is that there is a king. There is already a king here, and that he wants our allegiance. But let's just jump into a sticky issue when you talk about this. Because some people, when they hear about all this stuff about, okay, God is on the throne, and he's above the earth, and all this stuff, and you're telling me that God is in control. But Jordan, hold on. If God is so good, if if Jesus is the king, and if he's over everything— what about all the problems in the world? What about all the suffering? If God is good, how, how is he going to let all these bad things happen to me? Why did he let so-and-so do that to me? Why did my girlfriend cheat on me? Why did, why did this family member die? Why did my sibling die? Why did natural disasters happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? If God is king and on the throne today, Why are these things happening? Because if this is the case, if what you're saying is true, then basically that means that either God is not good because he can do something, but he won't, and he doesn't care, at least about me. Or that God is good, but he's weak. He can't make a difference. He can't change anything. He can't affect history. He's just like the man who created the clock and watched it just go, go around. And he can't do anything to intervene. What do you say to that? The answer to that question is basically the Bible says that he is the king and that he is good. It says that he is Good. And it actually says that no one else is good except for him. But it also says that he is El Shaddai, God Almighty. He is able to actually affect history, and he does. So if he does affect history, and if he is good, then why is the suffering happening in the world? This is where things get hairy. Because it's us. We are the reason that there is suffering in the world. We point the finger at God and say, how, in, how can you, being king of your kingdom, let all these bad things happen? And then we don't even realize that we're actually pointing at ourselves. Because he gave people free wills. And the reason that this subject is very real and personal for each and every one of us, it's because that we are operating all around kingdoms all the time. The Bible also says that there is not just one kingdom. It says that there are many kingdoms. In fact, if everybody in here did only what they wanted, then that means that every person in here would have their own personal kingdom. You are not hurt by God not acting as king. You are hurt because other people are acting selfishly as the kings of their own kingdom. And it brings pain to all the world. What is the king? The king is Jesus. What is the dumb? It's his ways. It's how he acts. It's his customs. It's what he loves and what he hates. And anybody a part of his kingdom has to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And if you will only love what you want to love or what I want to love, that means that I am acting as my own king in my own kingdom. Somebody stole my laptop one time. I was so mad. I was like, this, by the way, if you steal anything from me, that is like, I don't know why, that is like just the one thing where I'm just like, you are the worst individual ever. Like, you always want to catch him. I'm like, I wish I could corner the person who stole something from me. But The person who stole that laptop from me, they were acting as the king of their own kingdom. Because in their kingdom, stealing is okay, at least if you needed enough. I knew someone who lied all the time. In their kingdom, lying is okay. Especially when you're trying to protect your reputation or what people think about you. The reason this subject is kind of hairy and sticky is because this is sin. That's it. It's just sin. It's selfishness. It's my kingdom over your kingdom. That's it. That's it. So you got all of that. What do you do with all this? What do you do with all this? What, what about Jesus? Like, what does he want us to do with all of this? Friends, he wants us to see how worthy he is as the king. And how worth it it is to be a subject of his kingdom. He is a good king. He's unlike any other king. There's no king. There's no king like Jesus. One thing about Jesus' kingdom that the Bible says is it says that the kingdom of God, and it says this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, and it has it on the screen. For the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field, When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had so that he could buy the field. The kingdom of God, the king, and loving what he loves and hating what he hates, that is so great, the Bible says, that it is worth it to this man to give up everything, and then afterwards he saw it as a joy. That's not like the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world, your kingdom, my own kingdom, that's the kingdom where it's like that really sleazy, you know, late night commercial where it's like, buy this for 19 payments of (laughs) $4.99. And then you buy the thing and it breaks after a month. And you're like, this thing sucks. It's a piece of crap. But that's what the kingdoms of, of this world are like. That's what your kingdom is like. That's what my kingdom is like. When I choose me over everyone else, it overpromises in the moment and it under delivers in reality. It leaves me with pain and hurt. And it hurts the people around me. I hope, I hope you see like your kingdom is sucking. That's, that's what I'm going at here. That's what the Bible says. And and, and like, I know I'm going to beat a dead horse here, but I just have to. One of our friends, Winky Prattney, some of you all remember him. Winky's really old now, so he can't travel. He only stays in New Zealand, and that's where he, you know, continues to dominate. But I wish he would come here and visit, but he doesn't come to America anymore. Maybe it smells funny here or something. I don't know. But Winky Prattney said this. He said, (laughs) <laughs> he told me how there was one time where this guy he was speaking somewhere and he did a Q&A afterwards and then this guy asked a question and Winky's really nice so if you know him it makes the story way funny because imagine a really nice old guy who is like always sweet and then someone stands up and asks this question and he's like all right I got a question and he's like okay and he says why shouldn't I be king why shouldn't I be God And Winky said, Well, you're not smart enough and you're not good enough. Sit down. That was it. That's all he said. I was like, Winky, that's awesome. He's so sweet. He's such a sweet man. But the reason he didn't deal with that man's question and just go, because it's so true. Guys, we suck as kings and queens, we really do. We really suck as kings and queens, and I hope you do feel a little uncomfortable about this because you should. You're not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. The other day, I literally tried to do something sweet for my wife, Katie, and it went so bad. It was just like it was just like spiraling down into something where it was just like. How could one man be so stupid? But it literally was like, it was like it was for her. And it was just like, man, I like you have to isn't it when so, you have to apologize after you give a gift? That means you really messed up. But that's what I had to do. But what I'm saying is, like, how many times do we say something to someone and then we don't realize like how much like all the other things that are going on in their life, or what that stirs up in them? Like You don't fully understand what's going on with people. You don't have an infinite perspective. And you're not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know everything. I can't see everything. And I'm not powerful enough. Even if I did have an infinite perspective, and even if I was smart enough, I can't change it. I can only look at it from afar and be like, oh, yeah, that sucks. That really sucks. Or, oh, that's really good, but I can't, I can't impact anything. The Bible says that Jesus is not only king. He not only knows. He's not only all-knowing. He is able to actually affect our lives. Now, as I've talked about how poor of kings and queens we are, I have to talk about how good of a king he is. He is a great king. You have no idea how good of a king Jesus is until you go further and further and further into a relationship with him. He is a really good king. I'll just say that one more time. He's a great king. I remember the other day I was reading a story and I was like, man, I got to say this story because it's so good. My heart melted when I heard the story. It was a story of this painter, and he was going to paint this picture of Jesus. A church came up to him and said, hey, man, would you paint a picture of Jesus for us? And he's like, cool, what do you want? Of Jesus dying on the cross, how about that? Cool. So he goes and reads in the Bible. He already says he's a Christian. He's already a professing Christian, but he goes and reads about Jesus' death and resurrection. Gets kind of stirred, starts painting this picture. As the days go by, he finds it harder and harder to paint this picture until he gets to the point where he's like not stirred at all and he's like, man, I got to go on a walk. So he goes on a walk and when he's walking around, he sees this beautiful woman, dark hair, beautiful eyes, and he just walks up to her and he's just like, hey, would you come to my studio so I can paint a picture of you? The stuff that artists can get away with, that is so weird sounding. By the way, if an artist walks up to you and says that, like, don't go with him. <laughs> don't. I knew a guy who was an artist, and he would do stuff like this all the time. And it's, it's weird. It's like this sweet artist talk, you know. It just wraps you up, and all of a sudden you're like, no, I would never do that. And then they ask you, and you're like, oh, sure, man. Yeah, should I him like this, or should I like that? I, what, what do you want, you know? But, but for real, like, like it's so weird, but anyways, he says, yeah, come back to my studio. And so she goes back to the studio, and he's, like, painting this picture of her. And then she looks over and sees the picture of Jesus. And then she says, huh, who is that? And he's like, mind that picture of this. It's a picture of Jesus. Nothing to look at there. And she keeps looking at it, and she's like, he must have been a really bad man. He's like, What? She's like, yeah, he had to be a really bad man. He's being nailed to a cross. What kind of person would be nailed to a cross? And then he looks at her, and and he just is kind of shocked that she has never heard of Jesus. And he just says, this man was the greatest man that ever lived. He was such a great man that he actually died so that others might live. That's who he is. There may be some kingdoms that can do some stuff for you in the moment. There may be some good kings out there, but there is not a king that would lay down his own life for his subjects. The penalty of treason, which is building up your own kingdom within another kingdom, is usually death and being cast out. We have no right to even be able to be in the kingdom of God. We have no right to be invited to the kingdom of God. And the only reason that we are invited is because the king of this kingdom went and paid the penalty for every human being that wanted to be a subject of his kingdom. He went and paid the penalty himself. Jesus was an incredible king and is an incredible king. When he he was here, he healed so many people. He showed people courage and hope and the way to God. When he was here and as he is here now, he is still healing people. He is still not only helping us to see the irrationality and the foolishness of rejecting him and sin, but he also helps us to show the way to he shows us the way to life. And not only shows us the right way, but he gives us a new heart so that we would actually want him. He is an incredible king. He's a king like no other. I could go and wax lyrical about the king that Jesus is. But I'll refrain. I'll stop there. As I'm, like, coming to a close and finishing up, I've said all this stuff about, like, okay, you got another king And you have this idea of me being king. And so for me to reject Jesus is to commit treason to the throne. How do you respond to something like this? What does he want? It's pretty simple. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ and told him that you are king, you are not only deserving to be on the throne of my life, but your ways and the way that you say that things should be done, I consider that to be right. If you have never told him that, then that's it. That actually is what repent means. When he came and he said, all right, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, he literally, it literally just means, all right, everyone, realize you've been serving a different king, and now come and serve the true king. If your hope is not in Jesus Christ, put it there. But it also calls us to believe. And believing is saying, Jesus, not only was I my own king on my own throne, but I believe that you are the way. You are the rightful king. I will try to love what you love, and I will try to hate what you hate. A lot of us have heard things like that before, and they are like, all right, that's cool and everything, but this idea of letting go of our own control of our lives really rubs us the wrong way. It rubs me the wrong way, even still, even as I have confessed, and even as I do seek to believe, it still rubs me the wrong way, because sometimes I just want to be in control of my life. And I was, like, thinking about it, and I was like, man, Jesus, you are good, you are good. And, and thinking about this idea of him being good, that means two things. That means that it would be wrong of him. It would be wrong of him to take anything from my life that is good for me. So he doesn't do that. Jesus never asks you to take away something good from your life that is helpful for you. And he never asks you to hold on to something that is destructive to you that is what a good king does he keeps the good in your life happening and then he takes away the things in your life that are not good the bank can go ahead and come back up I'm rounding third base basically done I didn't finish that story of the painter The woman left right after that, and he was wrecked. He just, like, couldn't stop thinking about it because he was like, huh, like, this king, he's a great king. The next day she comes in, and she needs to be painted some more. And he's, like, kind of, like, like, messed up, but he doesn't know why he's, like, so affected by this comment about, Telling her how great of a king Jesus is. And then she looks over at the painting again and asks another question. And this time she asks this question. You said that he died for people so that they may live. Did he die for you? She asks. And he looks at her and and she's like, oh, he's like, ah, I, I don't know, I don't know. He doesn't want to answer the question. finishes painting her, she leaves, and he tries to do all this stuff to try to basically fix this issue that he's like, "Man Jesus, you are, you are great." And I've always said I'm a Christian, but I've actually never legitimately told you, "Thank you. I'm stirred." By you actually dying for me. I've just always appreciated it and been like, all right, you did that. I don't think I've ever even acknowledged the fact that you did die for me. Not just the really bad people, but also for me. Funny enough, he tries to deal with it not by, like, going to Jesus. He actually tries to deal with it by going and selling the painting to the church at a super cheap rate. And he's like, all right, that'll make me feel better. And he doesn't feel any better. He still feels messed up. And it's really cool because eventually he goes on and he's just like, okay, Jesus, okay. I now believe that you died for me. I now trust you. Thank you for what you've done. And it's so cool because the painting that he paints ends up being a painting that, for anyone who's ever heard of John Wesley and Count Zinzendorf and the Moravians, this painting basically led to the salvation (laughs) that started, salvation of the man that started the Moravians. And the Moravians were the ones who led John Wesley to the Lord. Only like 10% of the room understands the significance of that. But it was a very big deal in history because the revival that John Wesley started ended up being a revival that the historian John Lecky said was the revival that saved England from the revolution that also destroyed France. John Wesley and Count Zinzendorf saved a nation. And one of their greatest inspirations was the picture that this man painted. All because he just realized, wow, you are a great king. And I acknowledge that. And I accept it. You did die for me. Right before I pray, I just want to say this. Seek his kingdom. Try to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Start that journey now. You won't. He's not asking you to, to have it all together. He's just asking you to start. Start seeking. Start trying to love the king and his kingdom. And if you already do love the king, then just let your heart be stirred. And let your, let your heart be grateful for this great king that you have who would lay down his own life for his subjects. And not only would he lay down his life, but he shows us the way to life so that we can have life. As Romans 14 says, life, joy, peace, and righteousness in this life and in the life to come. I pray and we'll, we'll be done. Father God, thank you that you are the great king. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Lord God, for who you are. Jesus, you are king of this world. I don't, I nor anyone else should be king. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. Jesus, be king of our lives. I Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.